Chapter Twenty Four of A Son of the Middle Border by Hamlin Garland. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Tramping New York, Washington, and Chicago. For two days we followed the Amunusak, which is a lovely stream, tramping along exquisite winding roads, loitering by sunny ripples or dreaming in the shadow of magnificent elms. It was all very, very beautiful to us of the level lands of Iowa and Dakota these brooks rushing over their rocky beds these stately trees and these bleak mountain tops looming behind us all glowed with the high splendor of which we had dreamed at noon we called at a farmhouse to get something to eat and at night we paid for lodging in a rude tavern beside the way and so at last reached the railway and the connecticut river here we gained our trunks which had been sent round by express and as the country seemed poor and the farms barren we spent nearly all our money in riding down the railway fifty or sixty miles at some small town i forget the name we again took to the winding roads looking for a job jobs it turned out were exceedingly hard to get the haying was over the oats mainly in shock and the people on the highway suspicious and inhospitable as we plodded along our dimes melting away hunger came at last to be a grim reality we looked less and less like college boys and more and more like tramps and the householders began to treat us with hostile contempt no doubt these farmers much beset with tramps had reasonable excuse for their inhospitable ways but to us it was all bitter and uncalled for i knew that cities were filled with robbers brigands burglars and pirates but i had held up up to this time the belief that the country though rude and barren of luxury was nevertheless a place of plenty where no man need suffer hunger frank being younger and less hardy than i became clean disheartened and upon me fell the responsibility and burden of the campaign i certainly was to blame for our predicament we came finally to the point of calling at every house where any crops lay and gathered desperately in hope of securing something to do at last there came a time when we no longer had money for a bed and were forced to sleep wherever we could find covert one night we couched on the floor of an old schoolhouse the next we crawled into an oat shock and covered ourselves with straw let those who have never slept on the ground through an august night say that it is impossible that one should be cold during all the early warm part of the night a family of skunk rustled about us and toward morning we both woke because of the chill on the third night we secured the blessed opportunity of nesting in a farmer's granary all humor had gone out of our expedition each day the world grew blacker and the men of the connecticut valley more cruel and relentless we both came to understand not to the full but in a large measure the bitter rebellion of the tramp to plod on and on into the dusk rejected of comfortable folk to couch at last with polecats in a shock of grain is a liberal education in sociology on the fourth day we came upon an old farmer who had a few acres of badly tangled oats which he wished gathered and bound he was a large loose-jointed good-natured sloven who looked at me with stinging penetrating stare while i explained that we were students on a vacation tramping and in need of money he seemed not particularly interested 
till frank said with tragic bitterness if we ever get back to dakota we'll never even look this way again this interested the man he said turn in and cut them out and we gladly buckled to our job our spirits rose with the instant resiliency of youth but what a task that reaping proved to be the grain tangled and flattened close to the ground has to be caught up in one hand and cut with the old-fashioned reaping hook the kind they used in egypt five thousand years ago a thin crescent of steel with a straight handle and as we bowed ourselves to the ground to clutch and clip the grain we nearly broke in two pieces it was a hot midday and the sun fell upon our bended shoulders with amazing power but we toiled on glad of the opportunity of earning a dollar every cent means escape from this sad country i repeated we stayed some days with this reticent gardener sleeping in the attic above his kitchen like two scullions uttering no complaint till we had earned seven dollars apiece then we said good luck and bought tickets for greenfield massachusetts we chose this spot for the reason that a great railway alluringly crossed the river at that place we seemed in better situation to get west from such a point greenfield was so like rockford the western town in which i had worked as a carpenter that i at once purchased a few tools and within a few hours secured work shingling a house on the edge of the town while my brother took a hand at harvesting worms from a field of tobacco nearby the builder a tall man bent and grizzled complimented me warmly at the close of my second day and said you may consider yourself hired for as long as you please to stay you're a rattler no compliment since has given me more pleasure than this a few days later he invited both of us to live at his home we accepted and were at once established in most comfortable quarters tranquil days followed the country was very attractive and on sundays we walked to neighboring lanes or climbed the high hills or visited the quaint and lonely farmhouses round about feeling more akin each week to the life of the valley but we had no intention of remaining beyond a certain tie great rivers called and cities allured new york was still to be explored and to return to the west before winter set in was our plan at last the time came when we thought it safe to start toward albany and with grateful word of thanks to the carpenter and his wife we set forth upon our travels our courage was again at topmost gauge my success with the saw had given me confidence i was no longer afraid of towns and in a glow of high resolution and with thirty dollars in my pocket i planned to invade new york which was to me the wickedest and the most sorrowful as well as the most splendid city in the world doubtless the true story of how i entered manhattan will endanger my social position but as an unflinching realist i must begin by acknowledging that i left the hudson river boat carrying my own luggage i shudder to think what we two boys must have looked like as we set off side by side prospecting for union square and the bowery broadway we knew was the main street and union square the centre of the island therefore we turned north and paced along the pavement still clamped to our everlasting bags broadway was not then the deep cannon that it is today it was walled by low shops of red brick in fact the whole city seemed low 
as compared with the high buildings of chicago nevertheless i was keenly worried over the question of housing food was easy we could purchase a doughnut and a cup of coffee almost anywhere or we could eat a sandwich in the park but the matter of a bed the business of sleeping in a maelstrom like new york was something more than serious it was dangerous frank naturally of a more prodigal nature was all for going to the broadway hotel it's only for one night said he he always was rather careless of the future i reminded him that we still had philadelphia baltimore and washington to do and every cent must be husbanded so we moved along toward union square with the question of a hotel still undecided our arms aching with fatigue if only we could get rid of these awful bags moaned frank to us broadway was a storm a cyclone an abnormal unholy congestion of human souls the friction of feet on the pavement was like the hissing of waves on the beach the passing of trucks jarred upon our ears like the sevenfold thunders of patmos but we kept on shoulder to shoulder watchful alert till we reached union square where with sighs of deep relief we sank upon the benches along with the other rubes and jay-hawkers lolling in sweet repose with the weary souls laxly turned to the kindly indiscriminating breeze the evening was mild the scene enthralling and we would have been perfectly happy but for the deeply disturbing question of a bed franklin resting upon my resourceful management made no motion even when the sun sank just about where that venetian fronted building now stands but while the insolent teeming populace in clattering carts and drays charged round our peaceful sylvan haven each driver plying the lash with the fierce aspect of a roman charioteer i rose to a desperate mission with the courage born of need i led the way straight toward the basement portal of a small brown hotel on fourth avenue and was startled almost into flight to find myself in a bar-room not knowing precisely how to retreat i faltered out have you a bed for us it is probable that the landlord a huge foreign-looking man understood our timidity at any rate he smiled beneath his black moustache and directed a clerk to show us a room in charge of this man a slim youth with a very bad complexion we climbed a narrow stairway which grew geometrically shabbier as we rose until at last we came into a room so near the roof that it could afford only half windows but as we were getting the chamber at half price we could not complain no sooner had the porter left us that we both stretched out on the bed in such relief and ecstasy of returning confidence as only weary youths and honest poverty can know it was heavenly sweet this sense of safety in the heart of a tempest of human passion but as we rested our hunger to explore returned time is passing we shall probably never see new york again i argued and besides our bags are now safely cached let's go and see how the city looks by night to this franklin agreed and forth we went into the square rejoicing in our freedom from those accursed bags here for the first time i observed the electric light shadows so clear-cut so marvellous 
the park was lighted by several sputtering sizzling arc lamps and their rays striking down through the trees flung upon the pavement a wavering exquisite tracery of sharply defined purple-black leaves and branches this was indeed an entirely new effect in our old world and to my mind its wonder surpassed nature it was as if i had suddenly been translated to some realm of magic art where we dined i cannot say probably we ate a doughnut at some lunch counter but i am glad to remember that we got as far as madison square which was like discovering another and still more enchanting island of romance to us the fifth avenue hotel was a great historic building for in it grant and sherman and lincoln and greeley had often registered ah what a night that was i did not expend a dollar not even a quarter but i would give half of all i now own for the sensitive heart the absorbent brain i then possessed each form each shadow was a miracle romance and terror and delight peopled every dusky side street submerged in the wondrous drenched with the spray of this measureless ocean of human life we wandered on and on till overborne nature called a halt it was ten o'clock and prudence as well as weariness advised retreat decisively yet with a feeling that we would never again glow beneath the lights of this radiant city i led the way back to our half-rate bed in the union square hungarian hotel it was worth recording that on reaching our room we opened our small window and leaning out gazed away over the park what time the tumult and the thunder and the shouting died into a low continuous roar the poetry and the majesty of the city lost nothing of its power under the moon although i did not shake my fist over the town and vow to return and conquer it as penniless writers in fiction generally do i bowed down before its power it's too much for us i told my brother two millions of people think of it of course london is larger but then london is so far off sleep for us both was but a moment's forgetfulness at one moment it was night and at another it was morning we were awakened by the voice of the pavement the sound which whitman calls the loud proud restive bass of the streets and i again leaned forth to listen to the widespread crescendo roar of the deepening traffic the air being cool and clear the pedestrians stepped out with brisker braver movement and we too rose eager to meet the day at the gate of the town all day we tramped absorbing everything that went on in the open having explored the park viewed the obelisk and visited the zoo we wandered up and down broadway mooning upon the life of the streets curbstone fights police manoeuvres shop window comedies building operations everything we saw instructed us we soaked ourselves in the turbulent rivers of the town with a feeling that we should never see them again we had intended to stay two days but a tragic encounter with a restaurant bandit so embittered and alarmed us that we fled new york as we supposed forever at one o'clock being hungry very hungry we began to look for a cheap eating house and somewhere in university Plaza, we came upon a restaurant which looked humble enough to afford a twenty-five cent dinner 
which was our limit of extravagance and so timidly we ventured in a foreign-looking waiter greeted us and led us to one of a number of very small tables covered with linen which impressed even frank's uncritical eyes with its massiness with a feeling of having inadvertently entered a den of thieves i wished myself out of it but lacked the courage to rise and when the man returned and placed upon the table two glasses and a strange-looking bottle with a metal stopper which had a kind of lever at the sides frank said hi good thing i'm thirsty quite against my judgment he fooled around with the lever until he succeeded in helping himself to some of the liquid with which the bottle was filled it was soda water and he drank heartily although i was sure it would be extra on the bill the food came on slowly by fits and starts and the dishes were all so cold and queer of taste that even frank complained but we ate with a terrifying premonition of trouble this meal will cost us at least thirty-five cents each i said no matter it's an experience my spendthrift brother retorted at last when the limp lettuce the amazing cheese and the bitter coffee were all consumed i asked the soiled outlandish waiter for the price in reply he penciled on a slip as though we were deaf and finally laid the completed bill face down beside my plate i turned it over and grew pale it totaled one dollar and twenty cents i felt weak and cold as if i had been suddenly poisoned i trembled then grew hot with indignation sixty cents apiece i gasped didn't i warn you frank was still in reckless mood well this is the only time we have to do it they won't catch us here again i paid the bill and hurried out bitterly exclaiming no more new york for me i will not stay in such a robber's den another night and i didn't at sunset we crossed the ferry and took the train for new brunswick new jersey why we selected this town i cannot say but i think it must have been because it was half way to philadelphia and that we were just about as scared of philadelphia as we were resentful of new york after a night battle with new jersey mosquitoes and certain plenty-grade bedfellows native to cheap hotels we passed on to philadelphia and to baltimore and at sunset of the same day reached washington the storied capital of the nation everything we saw here was deeply significant national rousing our patriotism we were at once and profoundly interested by the negro life which flowered here in the free air of the district as under an african sun the newsboys the bootblacks the mule drivers all amused us we spent that first night in washington in a little lodging house just at the corner of the capitol grounds where beds were offered for twenty-five cents it was a dreadful place but we slept without waking it took a large odor a sharp lance to keep either of us awake in those days tramping busily all the next day we climbed everything that we could climb we visited the capitol the war building the treasury and the white house grounds we toiled through all the museums working harder than we had ever worked upon the farm till frank cried out for mercy it was inexorable our money is getting low we must be very saving of car fare i insisted we must see all we can 
we'll never be here again once more we slept among the negroes in a bare little lodging house and on the third day brimming with impressions boarded the chicago express and began our glorious our exultant return over the alleghanies toward the west it was with a feeling of joy of distinct relief that we set our faces toward the sunset every mile brought us nearer home i knew the west i knew the people and i had no fear of making a living beyond the alleghanies every mile added courage and hope to our hearts and increased the value of the splendid if sometimes severe experiences through which we had passed frank was especially gay for he was definitely on his way home back to dakota and when the next day of the heights of the allegheny mountains the train dipped to the west and swinging around a curve disclosed to us the tumbled spread of mountain land descending to the valley of the ohio we sang o'er the hills in legion's voice as our forefathers did of old we were about to re-enter the land of the teeming furrow late that night as we were riding through the darkness in the smoking car i rose and placing in my brother's hands all the money i had said good-bye and at mansfield ohio swung off the train leaving him to proceed on his homeward way alone it was about one o'clock of an autumn night sharp and clear and i spent the remainder of the morning on a bench in the railway station waiting for the dawn i could not sleep and so spent the time in pondering on my former experiences in seeking work have i been wrong i asked myself is the workman in america as in the old world coming to be a man despised having been raised in the splendid patriotism perhaps one might say flamboyant patriotism of the west during and following our civil war i had been brought up to believe that labor was honorable that idlers were to be despised but now as i sat with bowed heads cold hungry and penniless knowing that i must go forth at daylight seeking work the world seemed a very hostile place to me of course i did not consider myself a workman in the ordinary hopeless sense my need of a job was merely temporary for it was my intention to return to the middle west in time to secure a position as a teacher in some country school nevertheless a lively imagination gave me all the sensations of the homeless man the sun rose warm and golden and with the return of my courage i started forth confident of my ability to make a place for myself with a wisdom which i had not hitherto shown i first sought a home and luckily i say luckily because i never could account for it i knocked at the door of a modest little boarding-house whose mistress a small blonde lady invited me in and gave me a room without a moment's hesitation her dinner a delicious midday meal so heartened me that before the end of the day i had secured a place as one of the crew of carpenters my spirits rose i was secure my evenings were spent in reading abbott's life of napoleon which i found buried in an immense pile of old magazines i had never before read a full history of the great corsican and this chronicle moved me almost as profoundly as hugo's les miserables had done the year before on sundays i walked about the country under the splendid oaks and beeches which covered the ridges dreaming of the west 
and of the future which was very vague and not very cheerful in coloring my plan so far as i had a plan was not ambitious i had decided to return to some small town in illinois and secure employment as a teacher but as i lingered on at my carpenter trade till october nothing was left for me but a country school and when orrin carter county superintendent of grandy county he is judge carter now informed me that a district school some miles out would pay fifty dollars a month for a teacher i gladly accepted the offer on the following afternoon i started forth a passenger with hank ring on his way homewards in an empty corn wagon the box had no seat therefore he and i both rode standing during a drive of six miles the wind was raw and the ground frozen hard as iron made the ride a kind of torture but our supper of buckwheat pancakes and pork sausages at deacon rings was partial compensation on the following monday i started my school the winter which followed appalled the oldest inhabitant snow fell almost daily and the winds were razor-bladed in order to save every dollar of my wages i built my own fires in the schoolhouse this means that on every weekday morning i was obliged to push out into the stinging dawn walk a mile to the icy building split kindling start a flame in the rude stove and have the room comfortable at half past eight the thermometer often went to a point twenty degrees below zero and my ears were never quite free from peeling skin and fevered dishes my pupils were boys and girls of all sizes and qualities and while it would be too much to say that i made the best teacher of mathematics in the county i think i helped them in their reading writing and spelling which after all are more important than algebra on saturday i usually went to town for i had in some way become acquainted with the principal of a little normal school which was being carried on in morris by a young quaker from philadelphia professor forsyth soon recognized in me something more than the ordinary elocutionist and readily aided me in securing a class in oratory among his students this work and forsyth's comradeship helped me to bear the tedium of my work in the country no saturday was too stormy and the roads were never too deep with snow to keep me from my weekly visit to morris where i came in contact with the people nearer to my ways of thinking and living but after all this was but the final section of my eastern excursion for as the spring winds set in the call of the sunset regions again overcame my love of cities the rush to dakota in march was greater than ever before and a power stronger than my will drew me back to the line of the middle border which had moved on into the missouri valley carrying my people with it as the spring odors filled my nostrils my wish to emigrate was like that of the birds out there is my share of the government land and if i am to carry out my plan of fitting myself for a professorship i argued these claims are worth securing my rights to the public domain are as good as any other man's my recollection of the james river valley were all pleasant my brother and father both wrote urging me to come and secure a claim and so at last i replied i'll come as soon as my school is out thus committing all my future to the hazard of the homestead and so it came about that in the second spring after setting my face to the east i planned a return to the border 
i had had my glimpse of boston new york and washington i was twenty-three years of age and eager to revisit the plain whereon my father with the fate of a pioneer was again upturning the sod and building a fourth home and yet son of the middle border i had discovered that i was also a grandson of new england End of chapter twenty four